You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. So we are in our series called Refresh. And uh, in week one, we were talking about faith and the importance of faith and refreshing our faith for 2024. Last week, we were talking about friends and fitness. And today, I want to talk to you about family. I want us to think about our family. And what I want us to do, church, is I'd like you to close your eyes for a moment. Put down your phone, put down your iPad, your notepad and pen. I want you to close your eyes And I want you to think about your family. Right now, I want you to sort of go back in your mind and I want you to think about the neighborhood that you grew up in. Your mum, your dad at home, or one of them, your guardians. Think about your siblings. Think about the atmosphere and the environment of your home. Your neighborhood, your street. And I wonder if we can just fast forward for a moment into now and just think about your family right now. Think about your home, what you'll be driving back to this afternoon or tonight. Okay, you can open your eyes. What I want you to see is this, is that family is so important because what family does is family evokes so many emotions in us. Just a moment ago, doing that exercise, for some of you, great emotions came to mind. But maybe for others of you, there were some negative emotions that came to mind as well. But family is a really, really important thing. We know that in the late 60s, the early 70s, the cultural Marxists started what they called a slow trudge through the major institutions of society in order to destroy the major institutions of society, one of them being family. The idea of the safe environment for children to grow up in with mums and dads at home. I don't know if you realize this, but family breakdown in Great Britain costs us, the taxpayer, 48 billion pounds a year. 48 billion pounds. In fact, the Center for Social Justice says this, stable, healthy families are at the heart of strong societies. If you look at any strong society around the world, it will bear testimony to this truth. Stable, healthy families are the heart of strong societies. It is within the family environment that an individual's physical, emotional, psychological development occurs. From our family, we should learn various things. Unconditional love, understanding right from wrong, gaining empathy, respect, and self-regulation. These qualities enable us to engage positively at school, at work, and in society. We need strong, healthy families. And you know, I don't know what your current experience is of family life, and I don't know what your family upbringing was like, but I do believe that at the start of 2024, 
we can all be involved in navigating our lives towards having healthier, stronger families. Have you noticed this, that every family has got a weirdo in it? Come on, give me a wave if you know in your family there's a, there's a weirdo. It, it, it could be a sibling. It could be a mum, although don't tell her that. She'll kill you. You know, it could be a dad. It could be an uncle. It could be a grandparent. But every family has a weird member in it. And if you don't think yours does, it probably means you're it. You're the weirdo. Now, the fact is this, is there are no perfect families. We know there's no perfect families. But it is a weird thing that in society that is full of families and parties and tables, it is possible in a really big world where so much is going on to be like Joachim this morning, alone, isolated, and lonely. Sorry, bud. You need a wife. We'll choose one for you. You know, being alone and being lonely are two different things. You know, if you are an introvert in this place, you, you love being alone. You, you hate it when pastor someone says, hey, turn to your neighbor and say hello. You're like, no, I just want to die, you know. But I'm an extrovert. I love people. But I got to tell you, there are times when I love to be alone. Do you ever get peopled out? Come on, I said, do you ever get peopled out? Do you ever get home from work and think to yourself, I'd be happy if I never saw a person ever again. Or you go home from church and thinking, so many people feel peopled out. But it's big difference between alone and being lonely. God's plan is that none of us would ever be lonely. None of us would ever be lonely. BBC in 2018 in the Guardian newspaper led with an article called this, Homes are places where people are alone together. I don't think that's God's plan. Psalm 65 says this, 68. God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. Now, here's what I want you to see. God's original intention, Adam and Eve, they would have children, they would be in family. But what sin did is sin brought division. Sin brought destruction. Sin brought the breakdown of the family unit. I mean, we saw that in the first children, Cain and Abel. And here we are all this millennia later, and we see that breakdown is still taking place. But as God saw that breakdown, He intended that through Abraham's family, that blessing and restoration would come through to humanity, and that we too, church, would actually be invited into a spiritual family, a spiritual family where there is restoration, a spiritual family where there is blessing. And that spiritual family takes place in Christ. So I want to say, welcome to the family. You know, one, one, back in the day in church, people used to call each other brother and sister. And I guess we don't do that anymore. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's a little bit old-fashioned for some people. I don't know. But the fact is this, is we are brothers and sisters, And what I love about the world, friends, is this, is I can go anywhere in the world, in the remotest parts of the world, and I can be 
with people groups that don't look like me, they don't sound like me, they don't have the culture like me, they don't dress like me, nothing in common, but I can find family because when I'm in a church or when I meet a Christian brother or sister, the Bible says they are my family. I've been in many parts of the world. I've been in church services, worship services, where I've got to be honest, I have no idea what the preacher's preaching because there's no translator. I have no idea what they're singing because I don't understand the language, but I feel at home because it's a spiritual family. Friend, if you look at church just as an organized religion, you're actually missing the point. The Bible says that this is the result of God's plan back through Abraham's line into the life of Jesus, God incarnate, that now as a Christian in Christ, we are family. Sister Sledge got it right, we're family. And there's almost a sense where in audacious church, though we're 103 nationalities, lots of different languages, we look different, we sound different. The fact is this, friends, is we're not actually here to build a multicultural church. Did you know that? We're here to build a kingdom culture church. And what I love about the end of time, the Bible says when Jesus comes back and takes us to heaven, the Bible says there around his throne will be every nation there will be every tongue. Can you believe the cacophony of sound that's going to come, that's going to happen in heaven? Because in heaven, we don't stand as this nationality or this. We just stand as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are family. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise that He actually puts the lonely in families. It's God's plan and it's God's intention in Jesus' Name. So I want to say to you, church, welcome to family. Welcome to family. Welcome into the room. And I want you to know that there's space at this table. There was never God's intention that you'd sit out here. There's space at the table with the family of God. A few things about this. The first thought is this, is that community is the very essence of God. We speak about a word called the Trinity. You'll know that term. The Trinity is not actually a Bible word. We don't actually read the term Trinity. In the second century, uh, an early church father called Tertullian invented the word Trinity in order to try to understand how the Godhead works. That God is three, yet He is one. There's not three gods, but there's God who displays Himself to us in the three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see this portrayed in Matthew chapter 3 at the baptism of Jesus. It says, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and Jesus, the Son, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Note, the Holy Spirit wasn't a dove, but descending, but descending like a dove and settling on him. And then a voice from heaven said this, this is my dear, dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So we have this great celebration that takes place in, in, if I can use this term, the community of God. One God, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
like the three-legged chair. You need all three parts in order to make the whole. You need the egg and the yolk and, and, the, and, and the, the shell the, and the white part. You need those three parts to make the one egg. And so we have God who is three in one. And I think that all of our days, all the <clears throat> theologians and academics will spend their lives trying to fully understand the Trinity, but really we never will. But remember this, God is not three, God is one. <clears throat> In Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says this, God is a dynamic, pulsating activity, a life, almost a kind of drama, almost, if you will not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. And I love that, the sense of honour. I hope you don't think me irreverent. Because sometimes as we try to describe the genius and the wonder of God, and we try to make God understandable, all of our analogies in many senses fail. How do you describe the indescribable? And so sometimes we create these anthropomorphisms. We, we put some human dimension to God to try to best understand God. You know, the psalmist says he shelters us under his wings. How many of you know God doesn't have wings? But what he's trying to do is he's trying to help us to understand through nature how we can best understand our God. So he says, I hope you don't think me irreverent, a kind of dance. The union between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is such a live, concrete thing that this union itself is almost like a person. It is as if a sort of communal personality came into existence. Family is what God wants us to experience. Family is what God wants you to experience. And it's easy, isn't it, in a, in a world where we see family breakdown and family challenges, it can be easy to say, you know what, I wanna do this alone, but family was always God's plan for you and always God's plan for me. In Genesis chapter 126, God says, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. In other words, he's saying here, I, I'm creating you, sons and daughters, I'm creating humanity <coughs> to experience the richness and joy that comes from family and comes from community. In Luke chapter three, we have this amazing passage where we read about the genealogies of Jesus. And if you're doing a Bible in a year program, you'll probably skip chapters like this because you think, well, that's a bit boring. But in Luke 3, 23, it says, now Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, and it keeps going and going and going. In fact, in Luke chapter three, we have 77 generational lines that are recorded. And the reason it's there is powerful and it's specific. It's specific because God is saying to you and he's saying to me, I am so committed to family that I left my throne in heaven and I was placed in a family. And this family was more than just Joseph and Mary, but this family is generational. I was sharing just recently with a group of people about the importance of thinking generationally. 
Often we'll come into 2024, won't we, and we'll think about a New Year's revolution. We'll think about what we're going to do with our lives and how we're going to change our lives this year. And sometimes we'll think maybe just a few years out, uh, if you're on a career trajectory, you maybe have a five and a 10-year plan. But you know something, church, when God looks at you and He looks at me, He doesn't just look at our year and He doesn't look at our five and 10-year plan. God thinks generationally. In fact, the book of Deuteronomy says that God is faithful to His children for a thousand generations. I'm amazed. James chapter one says this, what is your life? It's like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And it's, it's incredible, isn't it? I, I'm 52 this Wednesday, right? But I still feel like I'm 16. And, and, and somebody said to me recently, how old are you? And I said, I'm 50. Actually, I'm 51. I'm nearly 52. It goes like that. Two seconds ago, I had two babies, and now they're young adults. Life is so quick. And one of the reasons why Luke chapter 3 is here, the generations of Jesus, is because God wants you to think generationally. You will know that the upbringing you have is because of the generations before when we look at the world wars that affected this world, when we look at the wars that are currently taking place, those wars affect future generations. Money that's either handed down from generation to generation or squandered in a generation. It's amazing the impact that one generation will have on the next. And yet the reason we read about this amazing verse in Luke chapter 3 is so that you could know that family, generations, community is the very essence of God. Church, what we do now as a family here in this church will affect the generations. Did you know the way we live our lives as Christians right now, the way we live our lives is actually shaping a future greater Manchester. That this is not just about you. And it's not just about your kids. And it's not just about your grandkids who you haven't yet met. It is about your children's 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 children. Twelve times the Bible uses the phrase children's children. Nearly 300 times the Bible uses the word generation and generations that you could know that God has placed you in a spiritual family, not just for you and your enjoyment, but so that the way you live your life can affect the generations. I wonder if we were to think more generationally, I wonder what difference that would have in our lives. I wonder how many marriages that would save. I wonder how many immediate nuclear families that would rescue because we're realizing that what I do now will have a trickle effect in the generations. Now you imagine what will happen if thousands of people through the Life of Audacious Church connect in with the heart of God and think generationally. We may hear the news that says the church is shrinking in this nation and the church is shrinking around the world. But let me just say this. There are 2.4 billion Christians on the planet who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. We learned this week that the church is not shrinking, it's shifting. It's shifting from Europe and it's shifting to the global south. 
And we have more Christians, percentage-wise, alive today than ever before. But I believe that even in a continent called Europe, where it appears that the church is shrinking, that maybe if we engage in family better and think generationally, then we can hand our children's children's children not a world that's divided, but a world that is united because of the spiritual blessing of family. God is in the family. Community is the very presence of God. It's the very idea, very essence of God. But my second thought on family is this, is family is what God does. I mean, this is crazy, right? In Genesis chapter one, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. God made Adam. God brought all the creatures before Adam. And Adam spent, how long would he spend? I don't know, days. An elephant, a cow, a horse, a giraffe, naming all the, element, the, the, the animals. The Bible says that, but then the Bible says no helper, no soulmate, no family, no one like him was found amongst all of those. And so the Bible says in Genesis chapter two, it's not good for man to be alone. Get this, right? He was in a perfect world and every day God came and walked and talked with him. And we've often sang, or maybe we've thought, God, all I need is you. But it is not quite true. Because all Adam had was God, but it wasn't enough. He needed family. You don't need just God alone, friends. You need family. And I'm now not talking about your nuclear family, your nucleus family, the, the, the blood family. I'm talking about the family that Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood for you so you could be in Christ so that you can look around this room and go, look at my family. Hey, your nuclear family, your nucleus family, they may be a bit weird. Have a look at church. We're even weirder, right? but everybody's somebody else's weirdo. But I'm here to tell you that that means none of us should ever feel lonely because welcome to the family. There's space at the table for you to come and join the family. Let me show you this picture, Luke chapter 20 um, uh, picture from uh, the artist, Michelangelo. This is the Last Supper. And we read about this in all of the Gospels. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, the Bible says, and I, I love this picture. You know, you, you've maybe heard the story. Peter goes up to the restaurant that night and says, um, I'd like a table for 26, please. And the maitre d' says, 26, why? There's only 13 of you. He says, yeah, but we're all gonna sit on the same side of the table. <clears throat> but here we got the Last Supper. It's a portrayal. It's, it's, a, it's an artist's impression of the Last Supper. And what I love about it is you see on the table there, you see the food of different types. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, it says in the Gospels that Jesus took the bread and he broke the bread. He broke it. Oh my gosh, it must be an Aldi bread. It's really tough. <laughs> he took the bread and he, he took the wine and he said, take the bread. This is my body broken for you. It's symbolic of my body. It, it doesn't literally become his body. It's symbolic. And, 
And then drink the wine. The body is symbolic of my body broken for you. The, the wine is symbolic of my blood that is shed for you so that you may have eternal life and you may know the hope of glory that only comes through having relationship with God. And Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And you know, church, we get communion so wrong. We get communion so wrong if we think that all it is is that horrible little wafer cracker that we eat and that terrible tasting juice. You know those little pots when we take? That's not communion. And whether you've been to a more traditional setting and you've gone to an altar and a priest or a vicar has placed on your tongue a wafer and you've drunk out of the same cup, not even that really is communion. There are elements of communion there. But when Jesus says, do this, he's talking more than just this. Yeah, this is important, but when he says, do this in remembrance of me, what he's saying is this. He's saying, do this. Do family. Do communion. Get around the table together and share about Jesus and remember his broken body and remember that his blood was shed, yes, but the whole point of this exercise that Jesus was introducing to his followers was family. In fact, the early church was so committed to communion. The Bible says in Acts chapter two, it says every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, they broke bread in their homes, the Bible says, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, family is what God does. And in a world where there are so many people who are alone and lonely, I believe that one of the reasons why the early church grew so rapidly was because the family made space at the table. They said, hey, there's room for you. Come and join us in the family of God. Come and join us in the community. I, I know you're from a broken place. I, I know that you've experienced isolation and loneliness and aloneness, but no more. Have this banana on bread, Joachim. Come and enjoy family with us. I mean, what, what's amazing in Acts chapter two? Yeah, come on. The Bible says they broke bread and ate homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. How many of you know glad and sincere hearts after food is more than just a tiny little bit of bread and a tiny thimble full of juice? If I invited you to my house and say, hey, come on over for a meal, Cammy, come on, come on, bring your, your boyfriend a I guess, I don't, bring, bring some friends and, and you come over and you come to Soph and I and we sit there at a table and we give you a tiny little bit of juice and a little bit of bread, you'll be like, how many of you know Cammy's going to KFC on the way home? <laughs> some years ago in Manchester, Sophie and I went to the drive-thru, it was late night, we went to KFC and all I wanted was a bucket of chicken. And as we drove up to, to, to the drive-thru, we were still living in Sheffield at the time, and we're in Gorton area, and we pulled in, and I said, I just want a bucket of chicken, please. And the lady said, I'm so sorry, we have no chicken. Now, the clue's in the title. I didn't want a state called Kentucky Fried. 
I wanted fried chicken. And my wife turned to me and said, how ironic, the very reason they exist and they don't have the goods. The very reason the church exists, yes, is to give God glory, but it's to be family. It's to do family. It's to actually come into a space and a place where we can care and we share and we love and we do not cancel. Cancel culture is so demonic. Imperfect, broken people are canceling. Imperfect, broken people. You know what family does? Family shows grace. We know Joachim's a Muppet. We know he's a Muppet. We know it because his mum and dad and his siblings have said he's a Muppet. But Grace says you can still get a seat at the table, Joachim. You're welcome because family is what God does. Hey, there's space at the table. There's space at the table. Last Sunday, over 3,600 people in church. And you can be in a crowded room, feel alone, and worse still, feel lonely. But if I could just use some terminology that may or may not be appropriate for a moment, if I'm dad and you're my family, I'm saying to this, pull up a chair, there's space. But how many of you know family's hard work? Come on, we can be honest in here, it's church. How many of you know family's hard work? You know when mum gives you that look, you know hard work is coming. Husbands on your day off, you know you know your wife has got a list of things that she maybe wants you to do. Sorry for typecasting and generalizing. The reality is this family's hard work. And if you don't know what, if family's hard work, then, then, then compare single life to married life. It's a dream, right? It's a dream. But then you add children to it. And you realize how selfish you were when you had, and you didn't realize you were selfish until you had children. I mean, how many primary school birthday parties are there? Especially when your children come home from school and they tell you that in two hours you're meant to be there and they didn't tell you, but everyone's going to be there. So you've got to get to Asda to get something from George in order to take it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's hard work and the sleepless nights. I mean, when Georgia came home first night and she cried, that was okay because we didn't know what we were doing. We were both up and, and, and you know, looking after her and that was exciting. But I remember when Jaden came home, his first night at home, at two o'clock in the morning in the little Moses basket, he started to cry. And when he started to cry, I started to cry because all the memory of life with a newborn baby came flooding back. <laughs> Hard work. It's tough. It is tough. And I say that to say this, that the spiritual family, the church, guys, sometimes it's gonna be tough. Sometimes your pastors and preachers are gonna annoy you. Sometimes... Your life group leader is going to offend you. Sometimes somebody on service teams, did you know somebody, sometimes people in the foyer are going to say things to you. It, 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 it's tough. But Galatians 6 says this, that you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. But the reality is this, is we're so quick at judging people, aren't we? We're so, so quick at looking at them and the way they've spoken to us and the things they've said to us. Somebody once said, don't judge a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Then at least if you judge them, you're a mile away and you've got their shoes. 
Everyone's fighting a battle you know nothing of. You know what family does? Family, family comes with a whole heap of grace. There's forgiveness. There's table. There's a seat. Because it's family. Ecclesiastes chapter four says this. Two, that's community, are better than one, that's isolation. Because they have a good return for their labor and if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the person who falls. And now I'm not just talking about a physical falling. Friends, I'm talking about a spiritual falling. I'm talking about an emotional falling, a, 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 a mental falling. There are many ways that we can fall. Pity that you fall and there's no one there to help you up. I gotta tell you that in a church like ours, it's impossible for Sophie or myself, or Paul or Zoe, to see everybody and to meet with everybody. But, but I want you to know that in the life of our church, we've got so many small groups. And, and we've created small groups for family. I love Adam and Jason over here. Adam and Jason are just such a brilliant couple. Would you stand up, guys, for a second? Stand up for me. You know what they do? They... They are the epitome of what I'm talking about. I, I don't know how rich you guys are. Like, I don't know how much money you've got in the bank account. Probably not much, because you spend it all on people. Like, I see every, every photo, I follow them on social media, you should do, it's amazing. Like, they've got meal tables. They, they got, they're, 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 they're opening their table. They're, they're pulling up chairs. Every picture I see, there's like millions of people around because what they've done is they're recognising that people are coming from all walks of life all backgrounds. And I want to tell you what Christian maturity is. Christian maturity is this, is the moment you stop saying, feed me, stand up guys, <laughs> feed me. And it's the moment you realise God put me here to open my door, widen my table, to welcome people into family. Can I encourage you to be like Adam and Jason this year? I want to encourage you. Welcome somebody to your table this year. Why don't you welcome someone to your table this month? To actually welcome someone to your house that doesn't look like you, doesn't sound like you, doesn't like the same music that you do. In fact, you maybe have nothing in common. But Adam and Jason, Acts chapter two, every day they continue to meet. They open their home. They broke bread. They ate together with glad hearts. Don't you think that that type of church would revolutionise the world? Hey, I know we're busy, folks. I know we're busy. I know you're busy. I know you're working 40, 50, 60 hours. I know you have sleepless nights because of the kids. I know all these sorts of things. But the encouragement that we have in Scripture from Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation is let's not just live for ourselves and let's not just love for, live for our immediate family, but open the table. And small groups is that. Small groups is where we move from Going in church where we're sitting in rows looking at the back of somebody's head, hoping they don't turn around and say hello because we're introverted. We go from rows to circles where we can sit with each other and, and, and we can care and, and we can share. Can I encourage you, church? After, afterwards, go to the info point out there. Go to the middle of the, of, of, of the foyer. You're going to see some, 
some couches there. Go and sign up for a life group. Do it this week. Maybe, maybe become a life group leader. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Great. You can be a life group leader. Open your home. You know, with so many people coming in from so many parts of the world. Every time I'm in an Uber, I always ask the driver where he or she is from. And I'm amazed how many of my drivers over the years have come from different walks of life, from professional backgrounds, degrees, masters, doctorates, and yet find themselves in a new place, in a new home, in a new culture, learning a new way. And all it takes is someone like you and me to say, hey, there's a seat at the table. And this is a life that God has for each and every one of us. You know, I was gonna spend some time today talking about finances as well, but we're over time now. And friends, one of the great tension points in all families is finance. Nearly 60, 70% of marriage breakdown today happens because of money problems. If you scan the QR code on the back of your chair, or you scan the QR code that's coming up on screen, it's gonna take you to a series of messages that we talked about on financial wholeness. We talked about budgeting, we talked about getting out of debt, we talked about generosity, we talked about honouring God, we talked about all the practical principles that Scripture gives us about finance. But I do believe that 2024 for you can be a year of breakthrough, blessing, prosperity in a good sense, increase, because this is family. I'm asking you this week, church, to roll up your sleeves, open your door, make room at the table, join a team, get in a small group, and you watch what will happen. I believe that what will happen in your life is Acts chapter 2. Every day, Audacious Church continue to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Audacious Church, welcome to the family of God. It's a great family. Come on, let me pray for your family just where you are right now. Would you stand to your feet, everybody? Lift your hands to heaven. Father, here we are this morning in church talking about family. And we recognise and we realise that coming from all walks of life, all, all challenges, Lord, ups and downs, some of us having functional, but most of us dysfunctional families. Lord, I pray that in the midst of family right now, in the midst of our blood relatives and more so in our spiritual family, I pray, would you put your hand upon us? Thank you that you've called us into family. Father, I pray if any person in this place right now feels alone, lonely, Lord Jesus, help them to know that you are the God who loves them and you put the lonely into family. Thank you for all of our small group leaders. Thank you for all of our church teams. Thank you for all the people who are already ready to open their door for family. Put your hand upon them. May everybody know they're loved and I pray for a year of great breakthrough and favour in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.